Welcome to Geek Nerd Tech on Black Hollywood Live. Today, the hackers hold HBO hostage. Uber looks for a new CEO, and Game of Thrones is still popping. Let's go. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Live's Geek Nerd Tech. You can fuck with me if you wanted to. These expensive, these is red Cardi bottoms, these is bloody shoes. CB. <laughs> I, I, I can tell you, I'm not, I'm not knowing about Cardi B in this way. Hey, man, she got a hot record out. I thought, I thought she was just kind of like just a, just a reality star, like kind of. I didn't know that she was really like spitting, like coming with some heat. I mean, I mean, this record is picking up a lot of a lot of rotation, man. A lot of momentum. Okay. A lot of people like this record. The productions are the productions go. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Geek Nerd Tech. This is a show we break down tech news and their culture from a black and brown geek perspective. I'm Joe Braswell. I'm joined as always, except for last week, but as always by my man Achilles Shine. What's happening? What's happening, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. Good. We yeah. out here living large, baby. Yes. How you doing? I'm I'm, I'm actually. Fantastic! I'm doing great. Yes, sir. I'm alive. Things are good. Um, could be could be a lot worse. Hey, man. Could be Count your worse. blessings, man. Exactly. Could be a lot worse in a lot of different ways. That's so right. I'm, I'm very very happy. Um, uh, last week when you were here, I did talk to, about, and I just want to retouch it slightly. I did talk about all the movies because I did see the, the three big movies, and I saw a fourth one on oh, yeah? Monday, which I want to talk. Which about ones you see? Well, I saw. Uh, I did get to see Dunkirk, which okay. we which we talked about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I did see it in the. You uh, saw it in the seventy. So I saw millimeter? it in the seventy IMAX joint. Okay, at the Chinese. All right, theater. show off the, the IMAX seventy millimeter film print okay. at the Chinese theater, like center row, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like around. Much. Yeah, um, that was a fantastic film. I, 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 you know, the criticism with the film about the narrative and the lack of story development, it just kind of like drops you in there and roll. It just yeah. feels like it kind of drops you in the middle of Dunkirk and rolls cameras, right? I, I heard that as well. It no, really like deep character development. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't, doesn't care who anybody is. Doesn't care what their backstory is. Right. It's just kind of like I'm here and showing you these four or five points of view, and it's cracking. He manipulates timelines, right. but it's it's just masterful, masterful, masterful filmmaking at, at the highest level. The cinematography you're saying is and masterful. All of it, the, the, the storytelling and cinematography, and just every single thing he's doing. Um, obviously, maybe maybe if you, want, if you want a different type of movie for screenplay and, and, and get to know these characters, I think it'd be a masterpiece if there were really some some stronger character development. So, so cinematography heavy versus like narrative heavy versus yeah, like dialogue for sure. heavy. For sure, I mean the dialogue is just in service of kind of what you know. That's a plane. It's a boat. Okay, you know the dialogue is in service of the will you be in the middle of the war? Right, and it's really. I mean, it's it's literally like. He just dropped a bunch of cameras in the middle of the war from multiple points from air, air, air sea, and land. Hmm. This is air, sea, land. Um, you got the war. You got Dunkirk. That's all I need to know. And what really, the other ones? Other ones I saw. I saw uh, Apes. Okay. Um, Apes. Well, let me go come back to that. I saw. I saw Atomic Blonde. Nice. Uh, Atomic Blonde. Really a lot of fun. Um, it had one sequence which I just think is one of the most spectacular fight sequences I've seen. I, I, and I really can't remember. I, I'd have to really do a deep dive and think about ranking these fight sequences, but I just don't know how they shot this. Hmm. I really don't know where they put the camera. I want you to see it. I need you to tell me like how they shot this fight sequence because it's hmm. handheld and it's not, it's real camera. It's not all digital, not computer moved. It's 
you're inside of a fight for a long ass time, and the choreography <laughs> is either like expert choreography, and I don't know because of camera. So it's low. like it's like better better than some John Wick sequences. Sequences. I mean, the the thing about the John Wicks, the, I would say the difference between the John Wick sequences and the Atomic Blonde sequences is, although, uh, you know, the the same director did the first one, and there was a duo that did the first one, right? And then one of the dudes went and did John Wick two, and the other dude did this one. Um, I think. You can tell they're different styles. This guy's more, one guy's more of a gunplay guy, and one guy's more of a, Fight a hand-to-hand guy. Yeah. yeah. So one guy, one guy is more of a car and gunplay. This guy is like a fight and gunplay. So John Wick 2 had a lot of the gunplay and, fight and, and, and car stuff. This is just close quarter, hand-to-hand. Combat. A lot of combat. Catch but the like fade. Slow, catch the fade. Not like, you know, cartoon, you know, style, but just like really. Just barbaric. But also like, like true because Charlie Theron is a 40-year-old woman. And like, how would she like how move ass on these big six foot two, six foot three dudes? And it's realistic. It's not like, you know, you see on some movies, on some Angelina Jolie movies, she's like, punch the guy in the face. And she's just like, ah, that hurt. Or like on some, you know, Scarlett Johansson stuff, you know, <laughs> which this is like felt realistic. Anyway, point that I'm making is just, there's a sequence. It's a very close quarters fight scene that lasts, you know, a pretty long time. And it's just, I'm just equally in awe of where they put the camera and how they shot this as I am with what I was watching. Awesome. Like I, I, I need to go back. It's, it's worth the entire price of admission for that one fight sequence because it's incredible. Incredible. Anyway, so that. And then uh, Apes, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what, the, all three of these movies made me feel like, like movies. It made me feel like, fuck Netflix. But you know HBO because all three of these films made me feel like this is this is the shit you can only go to the movies to see because Apes again I you know the effects the acting like the, I, I just the whole the whole time instead of just being taken out of the movie like being like oh this is a bunch of Apes I was like I can't believe that this is this these aren't real hmm. I can't believe that none, none of what I'm watching is real right. this is all CG. Like it's it's my my brain refused to believe it. Right. Not just with the visually, like what I'm seeing with the hair and movement and everything. I'm talking about the acting, the motion capture is okay. so strong. And what like, was the fourth one? The fourth one I saw at a screening uh, with uh, the director and the producers, uh, Megan Ellison and Catherine Bigelow, and it was Detroit. Nice. Uh, and uh, man, it's you know uh, I saw it with my partner Steve Barry, and he's uh, you know we were, we're a little split. On, 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 the, on the movie hmm. uh, I liked it a little more than he did he's, wow. not, a, he's not much of a fan of, of Bigelow's style okay. he appreciates he respects it um, and he's also not a fan of Mark Ball the screenwriter's writing which is how did uh, our boy do Boyega was he was fired Boyega yeah, was good, like good. he's the truth good, yeah. like I don't know, man. I, his accent was on point. Like he, I believed him. Good. Like I was wondering, I was wondering how he, how 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 he, a man of 2017, a British man of 2017, could put himself in the African American experience of 1967. It's not very hard. It's not very easy to do mm-hmm. when you you don't have the you don't have the cultural references, the social references. I mean, he didn't grow up with. You know, yeah, but I, I, that that argument, I don't know. I don't think you have to have those references. The world is smaller because of the internet. You absolutely, know how, you know how people live. Absolutely, but you I, can but, study but, you study people based on what you read, what you watch. Anyway, absolutely. So. Well, clearly, <laughs> yeah. he, he kills it. And so does Idris when he does. You know, we nailed a Baltimore accent in the Wire, exactly, and, and nailed uh, the accent in um in a uh, in a uh, American American uh, American gangster. Mm-hmm. Idris is good now. But my point is, is that. 
some I just feel like there's certain things that are true to African American experience that you just have by having yeah, but the, uncles the job and, of the job of an and actor aunties and fathers the job of an actor though is to study do a character study so that's sure. I mean you play a murderer like you don't have to grow up around killers no, and, and, I, and drug dealers you know I, what just, saying? I just I just wonder if it's and this happens all the time look people go in and do the you know play. You know, uh, I'm royalty. I'm a uh, I'm a, 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 a cultural a cultural thing that I've never experienced as happened before. Um, and maybe it's not even me to th- wonder about how John Boyega is going to do. Because I thought his accent in um his accent in uh, in Star Wars is a little little wonky. But I think that's just the character he's playing. Hmm. But he is on point in this one. He is really on point. That's excellent. I, 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 he's really great. Well, hats off to him. Hats off to him and hats off to all. Every, every, I think the cast was great. The, the movie was, was great. It's one of these things where you just you just tell a story. You know, I'm not going on. Uh, yes. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> let's, man, let's just cover movies today. <laughs> care, man, talking about let's it. Let's cover movies today, care, bro. <laughs> no, but I, the last thing I'll say is it's one of those things where you just you, you tell a very specific story. And the question is, um, not, uh, not unlike Dunkirk, not unlike Dunkirk, does this warrant an entire movie? And you know, and, and, and wait, say that again. Not unlike Dunkirk, Uh-oh. does this warrant the character? There's no where's the character development? It's really about the incident and not necessarily about the characters. Oh, and that's what's interesting. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. So thumbs up on all four of those movies. Thumbs up for me on all four. You see all four. Um, uh, all I've got nothing bad to say about all of them. Any of them. Hey, I got some. I got some catching up to do. Then yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. You can't wait to get them on your phone, <laughs> especially nah, Dunkirk. Nah. Especially Dunkirk and Dunkirk and Apes. Please try to see in the theater. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. The other two, you know, you might be able to wait, but Dunkirk yeah, and yeah, Apes. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so look back to tech news. Let's start with tech news. Now that we're like an hour into the show. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just did the, the movie corner. We did, we did uh, the popcorn talk right now. Um, <laughs> now we're so uh, tech to tech news. HBO has been hacked, you know, by, by some hackers, and they sent this ransom video to them. And they they said they got Game of Thrones, they've got Insecure, they got Ballers, they got all these different all these different shows. And they have the audacity to send out a ransom video, a ransom note video. Yeah. And it was cold because it was set to the set to Game of Thrones, the music, right. That's like, yeah, I don't know. So I, so I watched the video. I read it. Um, I don't know. It, 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 if I was a, if I was an executive HBO, I'd be filled with rage. But of course, I don't know. What, 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 what do they do? Hey, I mean, do you pay them? I think you pay them. I mean, because the the blowback of something this large. You talking about? I mean, I don't, they say it's a terabyte, terabyte and a half of content, and not just content, but like sensitive information, emails, back yeah, and forth, like, scripts. They're even alluding to them being, you know, going through some tax evasive type of things with some of their financial documents, like you know, saying they only made a certain amount fiscally, and then actually made, made potentially might have made more. So they're saying that the blowback could be, you know, years and years if if they don't pay. And so I read the letter, it's just. <laughs> I mean, these guys are, are highly sophisticated to be able to do that, number one. And then number two, like, pretty, pretty bold. Pretty bold to be like, you know what? Hey, we don't do this for money. We don't do this for, you know, for, for any financial gain. Like, we do this because we can. Right. And we want... We, but, but, pay me. But pay me. I know, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Pay me and I'll, I'll keep my mouth shut. But okay. yeah, I think it's pretty incredible that a company... I mean, we talk about this all the time. We're in a hacking uh, ecosystem. You know, no one's safe. So HBO, Sony, whoever it is, Target, yeah, no one's safe. You know, yeah. 
I, I, I could not agree more. Uh, it's, it's scary times, and I, I, you know, I don't know what this means to larger things. I don't know when people start setting their sights on other things, things other than media companies, and I guess right. there may be that that may be happening now that just not made public. You know, who knows what's happening inside governments, inside walls? Of, I mean, like, we're not talking about just federal government. What about like state governments? What about like people hacking, you know, California or hacking, you know, people are hacking everything. Texas. My, my um, my, I have a friend that works for a uh, a water company in a different state, and he was just telling me they just got hacked. So I'm sure that, like you yeah. said, a lot of that stuff they keep under the radar and they yeah. don't necessarily publicize it, but. I think people are getting hacked left and right, man. Yeah, left and right. Wow. All right. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how this uh, how this all plays out. Um, but it's, it's scary times, though. Scary, scary times. Because I think that we were just at the tip of the spear of the whole hacking culture and what's going to happen. We haven't had a real, real, a real hacking disaster. I mean, we've been hinted at it with the election, obviously, if you don't do with election what, what would be considered a disaster then? You know, power grids, uh. um, you know, n- nuclear, you know, mostly, mostly like power grids, hacking, mm. uh, food supplies, um, water, like water's not clean, like just, just really, really disruptive things that we yeah. depend on on a day-to-day basis. Traffic, light systems, just, you know, they just, when they come in and hack your power grid, and and all your traffic. Hey, that's next. And then you then you have, then you have to deploy all of your municipal resources to be able to direct traffic and keep things safe. And then well, I was robbing banks somewhere else or you know looting. I mean, it's all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, you, that I've seen in every every heist movie or GTA Five. <laughs> every that scene that that seems plausible. Yeah. So what you know? Who knows? Um, and then uh, air, I mean, and, and you know, don't go mean to go die hard too on you. you know, airports. You know, air traffic control, which is already like, I mean, air traffic control, they, they thread needles every single airport every yeah. single day. If you yeah. talk to like, you go, you see what happens at LAX and JFK and Heathrow and how ridiculous that is, yeah. how intricate that is. Yeah. Can you imagine just, just going down? Absolutely. I mean, with planes in the air, I don't, I don't even want to think about it. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's scary. So. We'll see. I'm not going to fly, drink any water, or, or exactly. <laughs> get out of here. Lock myself in my room. <laughs> in the meantime. Um, but speaking of which, uh, well, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go there there. But there's a thing at Google. So um, there's this one cat. I don't know. This is, it's kind of just want to touch this a little bit. Uh, it's one Google engineer uh, spoke out like about uh, this anti-diversity, saying basically he wrote this manifesto saying basically, you know, what the reason women, because Google's been under fire for having, uh, you know, uh, Maybe maybe systematically paying women less than their men, yep. engineers and executives. And one engineer is like, "Yo, it's because man, it's just because they women." And he had a whole th- basically anti diversity screed about why this is. Yeah. And why this is interesting is just brings up the debate of you know can he be allowed to to speak his mind? I mean, if, if he's a different uh, political, of course he you can. Know, yeah, you know realm, or if he's like if he wants to talk about Trump and how Trump is great, of course he, he can. A manifesto, but he was fired. Yeah, you so, can speak your mind, but there's always going to be consequences, right? Like, okay. I mean, that's for you to decide right. if, if you're willing to accept whatever consequences that may come. But I think what he said was highly disrespectful and insensitive. Yep. yep. And it just shows the state of mind that not only did we find in Silicon Valley and a lot of these tech companies, but what we find. Just in, in our in our society and culture in general in mass like it's it's a man's world like James Brown said yep. and it's unfortunate that we still have to have this type of shift the power or balance uh, correction 
in 2017. Like just like we have a North and South Pole, they're they're you know very different in nature, even though they're very similar in nature. But they're North and South Pole for a reason to keep the balance of the Earth. And right. so we have women, we have men, and we have a diversity of how people engage, and that should be all celebrated and accepted. Yep. And it's not it's not in the ranks of, of Google. It's not in the ranks of Uber. It's not in the ranks of a lot of these tech companies. So I'm glad that, you know, there's there's more conversation and discussion and more shakeup yep. of some of these, uh, I guess, patriarchal uh, men that are just, yeah, just not on point. Well, Google's, you know, Google's whole thing is, like, do no evil or do no, not do no evil, but, like, whatever. And I think that, or don't do evil. So I think they're, they're part of their entire brand is built on the creed of we're going to do the right thing Correct. at all points. So um, that's just good to know. Um, you know, the iPhone 8, moving on, iPhone 8 is about to drop. And um, there's rumors that it may not be what we think it's going to be. There's some rumors that they may, Apple is having trouble uh, manufacturing um, this 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 new version of this glass and this new screen mm-hmm. that is going to make the iPhone eight the iPhone eight meaning it's supposed to be a fully larger screen that we see in our iPhone plus. So there's a rumor that Apple may try to do a little bait and switch and throw out a couple iPhone seven S's <laughs> on us, you know, which is a couple of little modifications to give to buy themselves a little more time to get the iPhone eight out. Um, that sounds about right, but what do you think of that? Do you think that's a possibility? I, mean, I, feel, I think I think that's what Apple has always done. They've always, you know, kind of pivoted that way. Um, but I, I think now, especially because the landscape, the mobile landscape is changing because Samsung is such a major player. And, I mean, just the, the, the lore of uh, Apple is not the same as it was when Steve Jobs was around. It's, it's been declining in... It's been declining with a few of their launches, like the, the, the Apple Watch. So I think that they have to do this in, in, in a way to still maintain relevancy. But you're talking about a phone that's going to cost over $1,000. That's, I mean, never been really $1, done. $1,200. Never done before. Like, the, I mean, what what is this phone going to do that's going to, you know, make me want to p- put up a G-plus of my money, you know what I'm saying? Because what, it has a screen that has deeper, richer blacks and colors? No. Like, you have to give me something more... You can charge it on your. You can... Oh, okay, but I mean, you talk about rumors. Like they're even saying that the the software um, elements that they've developed for that type of technology to be able to charge it wirelessly, the software is not even up to speed. It's not even. It's like it's buggy, and right. so that may may not even be uh, a part of the launch. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I don't know, man. I think. Are you are, are you going to are you going to wait for the second generation of the iPhone eight? Are you just going to hold off? Are you, I mean, are you, are you just going to go? I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with my seven plus. You know what I'm saying? I'm very happy with my seven plus, but I was happy with my seven too. Unless they're doing something, <laughs> I, mean, I was happy with my six S too. Unless so. they're doing something pretty amazing, like I have no reason to to get the new one. Like I'm not shelling out a thousand bucks because it has a twelve two two more megapixels in the camera. Like come on, dog. Twelve hundred more screen more screen room. Okay. Class back, okay. <laughs> Super hustling, but I think I think the more interesting story is that how like they're trying to shift over into the OLED um, glass, right? Yeah. Where you have, like I said, deeper colors, you know, richer blacks and all that stuff. But also saves power, right? And it saves power, yeah. Because yeah, exactly. because it's not when it's black, it's not like sucking power right now when it's off like it is right now. My phone's off, but it's still sucking power. But uh, the story is, is that Samsung. 
has holds the highest market share of developing that technology and samsung is arch enemy to apple so it's like how is apple going to get around samsung to be able to produce these phones in mass that's the question yeah and i so, think that maybe that's part of the whole stall tactic maybe they gotta figure out how they can you know give apple i mean apple's got money and money in r&d i mean look none of this stuff is proprietary but it's not like i mean you know, eventually someone's going to figure out how to, how to do the same thing. Just like, I mean, bad example, but it's like North Korea eventually will figure out how to make a nuclear weapon. Like, we don't hold the patent on nuclear on nuclear ICBMs. Like, people will figure the shit out if you give them enough time and resources. So maybe Apple will go figure it out. Yeah, but we're talking about figuring it out in it, pre-launch, though. You have to have the infrastructure be able to yeah. develop 100 million pieces of whatever goes into that technology. That's why they have to be able to the iPhone 7S. Hey. <laughs> And that's why that's why I think it's going to be a major fail unless they yeah. unless they have something else that they're going to launch that that they're not that hasn't been leaked or they're not you know reported. September, like, September is like 15 days away. September is right around the corner. I don't feel the excitement. I don't know. I don't feel the excitement. Oh, the new the new Apple Watch is releasing too. Like that's what that's what you're going with. <laughs> like no, I'm, I'm just waiting for the Apple Watch. Right, hopefully. Good luck drop with that the, price point down to two to five dollars. <laughs> yeah, hundred dollars. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm still holding out. I'm still holding out for the Apple Watch to be good. I really, I really want it to be good. Hey, but, but what, how long has it been? Three years? Three years. <laughs> Three years. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, that being said, well, let, me, let me switch over to, to, to our friends over at Blue Apron because Blue Apron is, uh, is in fact, a better way to cook, as they say. Because Blue, Acre, Blue Apron is a company that allows you to make sort of restaurant quality and um, a chef quality ingredients in your own home. You don't have to be a chef to know how to do this stuff. You don't have to be a master cook. You don't even have to be a good home cook. All you do, all you have to be able to do is learn how to follow instructions. And you don't have to go shopping at the farmer's market and looking at stuff and picking up stuff and going through Whole Foods or, or Irwan. Like we have in LA, you know, Irwan everywhere else in the country. But you just have to learn how to go to a box outside your house, open it up, and follow instructions, which most of us can do. Here's how it works. Blue Apron has partnerships with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the, company, across the country. They got sustainably sourced seafood. They got sort of uh, organically grown uh, uh, beef and chicken. Um, the produce is sourced from farms that practice uh, regenerative farming. So they're they're ahead of the curve on the technology in terms of how they get their food. But also their menus. They have these amazing, amazing, beautiful menus that you come to you and they teach you how to cook these wonderful meals. Like basil chicken pesto with summer, veg- summer vegetable panzanella, sautéed shrimp and green beans and globe tomatoes, spinach and orzo pasta, whole grain pasta, summer vegetables and heirloom tomatoes, even a meatball pizza with mozzarella cheese and charmed tomatoes. I don't know what a charmed tomato is. You ever heard of charmed tomato? Mm-mm. I don't know what a charmed tomato is. That's Whatever fancy. Is. That's fancy. I'm sure it's delicious. Uh, what, what this is is Blue Apron. You sign up for Blue Apron. It comes right to your, right, right to your crib. You can order it. You can eat it. Um, it's, it's affordable. You can get these things for less than $10 per person per meal. But here's what you're going to do. You can check out this, weekend's, this week's menu for free and the first three meals for free with free shipping even. Just go to <laughs> blueapron.com slash geek. That's blueapron.com slash geek as in geek nerd taste. Geek nerd taste. Geek nerd tech. <laughs> um, that's blueapron.com slash geek. It's Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, that sounds that, fantastic. That's what it is. So, um, yeah, so, uh, uh, I, you know, we were talking about airplanes earlier. There's a push to make these pilotless airplanes um, that that could be, you know, that, that, that'll help. And, and um, pilotless airplanes is something that's been talked about, which is, 
obviously capable now with the drone technology that's been capable, but there's also these airplanes that everyone can fly, which are these like sort of home drone things, which are these octocopters, which two people can sit in. And these, these people who are manufacturing are saying like, they're pretty close to getting the FAA to approve these things uh, because they're pretty safe. They're saying if drones are safe and drones have all the, you know, all the fail safes of backup batteries and GPS. They said they have this gas powered octocopter, which you hmm. can sit with and it's gas powered. But if you run out of gas, you got a full five minutes of lithium battery oh. that, that'll get you where you need to go and land safely. And if that fails, you got a parachute. <laughs> okay. The, the things that a parachute, it'll, it'll, if that fails, then I don't know. You might, yeah, you might make it, but, um, you know, it's also going to have all the same technology the drones have, since so, you know, run into stuff, you know, and we, we running into things. But uh, they say a 16-year-old can fly it even. It's the same thing as, you know, just a stick up, down, left, right. And um, they seem to think that this is going to be the, the wave of the future. Uh, they're working with FAA now, and also they're making these things autonomous as well. And it, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think of this? I mean, I, I definitely think that it, it has the potential to be the wave of the, of the future. I mean, we... <laughs> We have to figure out, you know, I think there's some steps that come before that, like drones need to be more in the marketplace that aren't manned first, you know what I'm saying? Right. And so I think, you know, once we see more of a proliferation of that and more of a saturation of that, then this will emerge further. But in terms of, like, like unmanned transportation, we discuss it all the time. It's going to start with, you know, it's going to start with um, transporting the transportation of goods. And I think that when we look at air flight and not having pilots in the cockpit, cockpit for that like it makes more sense like hey you have a a full a full you know full plane full of goods you don't need necessarily a pilot and how much money that's going to save you know the airline how much you know uh training that training costs that you'll be able to save it's the more infrastructure that you'll be able to provide to to have more planes out there and so they were saying that statistically like all the money that you have to go into training a pilot and then for each plane you have to have like 10 pilots in rotation and each of those pilots obviously have a salary you have to pay for all you know the medical insurance and all that and so to be able to have all that gone would obviously you know provide more money for um the the, air, the airline or whatever and so then then moving that over to more commercial uh usages hey maybe that those Maybe that savings will trickle down to the actual con- consumer who's you know buying the ticket. So I think both uh, drone technology and you know unmanned uh, you know planes that fly. You know I think I think that's definitely in the near future, and I, we see it already with cars. We're going to see it with you know you know big rigs on the road, and we'll see it in the air. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's great. Good. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's interesting. I mean, we're getting closer and closer to Blade Runner Minority Report situation. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm all for it. Uh, I would definitely get in. These I would get in. Yeah. I would get in one of these things. I feel like there's enough fail-safes and computers fail-safes. And, hey, run out of gas. I, the battery would get me down. If an auto mine parachuting down, you know, if I got a parachute down, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. So I'll do it. Um, to that point, um, oh, this is a story that you like. Um, airlines are now giving your face to the government now. So some of these airlines, especially JetBlue, have this new facial recognition software that helps you get through, you know, all your check-ins you know, quicker and faster, and they stole your, you know, the bio, biometric information and your face and your retina information, and it recognizes you, it gets through. I do this, I, I signed up for uh, that, that big blue, um, which has in some, um, in some airports, like seven or eight airports, you put your fingerprint in, you zip right through, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of that. Um, I think if you, every time I put my fingerprint down, I'm like, uh-oh, and it says here, 
the JetBlue thing keeps you for up to 14 days in the system. Mm-hmm. And and now the you know U.S. Home Security, the Department of Homeland Security, and others are trying to get this database to be able to use a part of their database to be able to you know allegedly you know, to keep us safe. But also, who knows what for? Yeah, I'm out with it. I'm out with it. The usage. <laughs> tell, of, tell, tell, tell the people why it's not a good thing. I mean, I think this is Big Brother times ten. You know what I'm saying? So you're you're use my my imagery. Who knows for what purposes? It could be for marketing, so you can make money off my imagery. And then also, who knows who you're who you're really giving that information to? Like, I don't know how that could be used. And so I, I think it. I think it does or not. Or hacked. Or even hacked. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think it it serves the the customer well. Like, it doesn't make me feel safer. It doesn't make me feel comfortable. That I mean, I, I, I want to know who's watching me. I want to know when they're watching me. I don't want to yeah. be able to say, okay, I walk through an area and, and you and you're capturing all this imagery. Or who knows? You might even be recording what a conversation I'm having with you. Yeah, like that's that's all bad for me. Yeah, I'm all with it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely problematic. I mean, it comes, all these things all come, you know, through the through the lens of like we're just trying to make things easier for the consumer and we're trying to make things better for the end user. But ultimately, some of this stuff gets to be. Uh, there's also a dark side to all of it, so it's just the way of those things. I think this is definitely a, a Trump, a Trump uh, thing that he's pushing. I mean, I think it was a billion dollars he mandated for you know this type of technology, technology to be developed. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think that it, it has a great usage, but I don't think it, it should be used in this fashion as it relates to you know me walking through an airport. I, I think it's a better way. You know, yeah. it's a happy medium. Uh, I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. All right. So uh, let me get to these last two things. You know, Uber's been under under fire a lot, um, and this is ties in right nicely with jobs. Uh, you know, U- U- Uber's been under fire a lot with their, with their CEO. They've ousted their CEO, your boy Travis. They've been they they vowed to maybe find a, a female CEO, and yep. they got some pretty high profile candidates. Unfortunately, they're all turning them down. Hey, every everyone's like every every every. Every woman that they've gone after, high-profile woman of, of other tech companies, they've looked at it and they're like, "Thanks Uber, but no thanks." And you know, do you think? I'm wondering what this is about. Is this just about like Uber's so effed up? I don't want to be part of this culture. Is it like they look, they evaluate where Uber is and where it's going and be like, "Nah, is I don't want to be, I don't want to to write this ship." I mean, why are why are are people and these mostly these women backing away from Uber? Do they know something we don't know, or is it just like not the right timing? I mean, I think it's bad timing, and I think you know, no no person wants to be the cleanup crew. You know, no person wants to be the the the, the second the, the the second hand. You know, like I, and I feel that that's that's what they were saying in the article that a lot of even people of color and women that get into these uh, top executive positions are are getting those positions because of a problem. Yeah. That happened to the company, and so not because they were the first choice, not because well, you PR. know, not because it was on the incline. Yeah. It was because it was on a decline. Exactly, and it's definitely PR to help them make them seem more inclusive and yada hey, yada yada. We, we got a woman now. We we got, we got a black person now. Exactly, and you think you look at it statistically you know, with the Fortune 500 companies, 10 percent of them are run by women. 10 percent of 500 is what uh, five? five? Yeah. yeah, well, well, 50. 50. You know that's terrible. That's a terrible yeah. stat. You know, and so I feel, I feel like I feel strategically for those women to pass up on on this opportunity, quote unquote. I think it's smart for them because who knows what people will say if if, if Uber continues to decline, they'll blame it on on the woman CEO. Well, yeah. Look, she couldn't do it. Right. See, yeah. like, so yeah. I, I think it's I think it's smart for them to pull back. And, and make a better assessment for themselves, and that's clearly clearly why it is. Or maybe there's more there's more crap underneath 
you know, the Uber uh, lens than, than we have yet to see. So, yeah. Uh, well, speaking of jobs, though, I want to shout out our, a great company, Dice. Dice. And Dice is a leading tech career hub, a champion for the technology professional and a citizen of the tech community. They provide awesome career opportunities, insights, and advice. They have over 70,000 tech jobs on Dice. And literally, it's the best place to be seen and heard. And so if you're ever wondering about your next you know, role, how much you know you think you should be getting paid dice can provide the insight and guidance about what direction you should be moving in based on what skill sets you have your experience and even more though your your location so it's it centers in on exactly where you are and it pairs you up based on your skills and what opportunities are out there and not yep. just that it challenges you it, it'll, it'll even show you what skills you need to develop further to be able to make the move and jump into what career path that you really really want so Dice has been connecting tech pros with job opportunities for over 20 years. Um, they're a full-blown career hub. They, have, they deliver the tools and resources you need to manage your career. Like I said earlier, over 70,000 tech jobs ranging from software development to project management. The whole gamut is very diverse. Tremendous amounts of insights around the job market and skills that are hot. And they also tell you which ones are kind of like cooling off. They provide salary reports and tools to fully understand how you stack up and how you compete against others. But Dice is definitely your advocate for navigate, navigating your career. What, you know, whether that means you finding you know, the next job or getting your next pay raise or informing your next career move, Dice is the place. And you can learn more about Dice at Dice.com slash Can You Hack It. Once again, that's Dice.com slash Can You Hack It. Hack your career with Dice. Dice. Yep. Um, and, and maybe they can find some Uber CEOs through, through Nice as well. I don't know. Good luck. Um, last couple things. Uh, Disney uh, is about to is, it just inked a new deal with Netflix uh, a year ago, and Netflix is excited to get all these new Disney movies and Disney content. But now Disney's like, yeah, that's over. We're gonna launch our own service. Disney's out. Yeah. Uh, they have their own service they're launching in 2018 or 2019 rather. Um, and I mean. This is kind of not really a surprise because everyone's trying to launch their own service. But what does this mean for for the for the for for Netflix? Is this is this a big blow to Netflix, or is this just another cost to doing business? I definitely think it's def it's certainly a blow to Netflix. I mean, to be able to have a partnership with Disney. I mean, because you got to think, you know, Netflix is trying to at least bring in the the you know the the kid demographic, and they're not really they don't really have an animation department like that. So no. to be able to have that type of legacy content on their platform, or even the newer stuff. I think it was a, a win for Netflix because that that gives incentives for families to sign up for Netflix. Hey, we have kids, and hey, here's an iPad. Kid, go watch Netflix. So, pull that out, you know. And and now Disney has their own stream for that. Like they might lose some money, you know. Yeah. And I think that obviously Netflix will continue to develop original programming, and maybe some of that will be more animation or more kid friendly content. I mean, they have. Well, I don't know if they have, but allegedly they have the money to do it because right. a lot of people say Netflix is bank is close to bankruptcy, close to being bankrupt. I mean, um, but I think this is a great move for Disney. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, I, I, great move for Disney. It's also a thing where uh, you know Disney is also in the process of solving another problem of theirs, which is ESPN. They're, they're, they're now going to be launched a streaming service for ESPN um, that will help them solve a lot of their, their thing with the subscription, uh, the loss of subscription and people complaining about the cost of ESPN. It allows them to separate from some of these cable companies to do like a subscription model with their ESPN streaming and then maybe jack up some of those prices to get some of those revenues back up uh, if people really want ESPN, assuming they yep. can come up with some good content other than 
just, you know, uh, games. So uh, I think it's a great strategy for Disney. Uh, I just makes me wonder is how, how if they're going to keep it as one powerful Disney thing, are they going to split it further, have a Marvel streaming service, uh, a Lucasfilm streaming service? Are they going to uh, all keep it as one powerful Disney? I think they would have to keep it as one powerful. Yeah. Because the branch off with, branch off with those, I think that would, that would not do them the same to be able to yeah. have it all under the same banner. Because Disney has so many properties, legacy exactly. properties, exactly. the Pixar properties, Disney animation properties, Marvel, exactly. Lucasfilm. You know, so yeah, it makes sense for them to keep it all under under, under one under one roof. So uh, interesting story to see how that develops. Um, and let's see. Uh, okay, so let's just, let's let's let me just switch over to a couple quick things. One, Dark Tower, a movie I didn't see. Uh, I was really worried about this film. I love my boy Idris. I love my boy McConaughey, but. It just the t- trailer didn't look good, didn't feel right. It didn't like nothing. Nothing didn't feel right. It debuted really poorly. Eighteen um, percent of Rotten Tomatoes didn't make any money. It's supposedly not just just boring, just not good. Mm. That being said, um, they are still going ahead with building out the whole Dark Tower universe. Mm-hmm. There's still a Dark Tower TV show in the works. They're still talking about more movies. I mean, what do you think of this? Maybe they've committed wholeheartedly to this universe. And look, this is something that they've been trying to make for 20 plus years. Ron Howard was attached. J.J. Abrams was attached. Um, but do you think this is a good idea to still continue with this, 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 this world? Is, I mean, what, what happens when you have a beloved book or beloved property that's a swing and a miss? I, I do agree. Yeah, it, should, it shouldn't die. Give someone else a chance to make it. I think it's a bit harsh to say it's a swing and a miss. Um, I mean, I think that they, they didn't get the numbers that they were expecting, but I don't think it was like a, a fail. I wouldn't go that far. I, I mean, and I, I actually like the trailer. It's a fail. I like the trailer. I thought the trailer was pretty dope. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, them using this property in both film and TV, I think is smart. And having, the, having it sequenced in time. Um, I think it gives an offering to you know different audiences, and they even said like regardless of if it's successful at the box office, we're still going to be able to you know continue the story. It's you know an eight an eight part book, you know it's, it's a lot of story to be told. This is just kind of like the, the the appetizer, and so I mean there's still more things that they can explore, and I think in, in TV format, in episodic format, I think they'll have more I guess clay to work with, and then be able to spin it back to a film. I think it's smart. Yeah. I think I think it, it could be a, a property that grows. You know, the fan base can grow, and maybe the next time we see it in, in the box in, in the box office, those numbers might be more appropriate. One of one of the things that came out of the story, which I thought was really interesting, is is Ron Howard and his sort of forward thinking. He's talking about back in two thousand one, how you know he talked about how you know the if you look at all these eight books, some are very personalized stories and some are giant sweeping epic. And like some, if you look at this and reviewing this, like he's some of this, it lends itself to the big screen, some of it to the small screen, some of it to others. So he's like, why can't we just do these whole story on different platforms? Totally. This is back in 2001. People were like, what? What are you talking about? And now we see that all the time. We see, we know with, with, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. you know, and it, it all kind of connects to one universe. Uh, we may see some of that with John Wick and some other properties. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that, yeah, I think this is cool. I, it looks like Ron Howard was onto something, and I think that if they can make it work, let's do it, because we, we've seen it happen in the past. You know? I definitely think they can make it work. Um, we can get out of here, but I just, well, I just want to touch on this one last story we have, which is just making me mad. It's, you know, the, the you know, Ivor Madison, former of MTV News, wrote this story about this, this sort of the, the, the shaming of Sasha and Malia, how, you know, uh, 
you know, Sasha and Malia out there being teenagers, doing her thing, going to Lollapalooza, kissing boys, and how, you know, mostly the right wing right wing blogosphere and media are taking all these horrible these pictures of them and then making them out to be making to, to make the Obamas out to be like horrible parents. Like you got your kids out here running around and it just seems so but I was take his how blatantly uh, not not only partisan but like sort of racist it is to sort of uh, you know, the way that they're the, the way it's, it's it's a larger picture which which we don't have time for, but it just talks about uh, how we're doing the Obamas, how we're doing young women, how we're doing black women, and how the the way these they're being portrayed is unlike anything we see. Not even with not even with Chelsea Clinton or even with Amy Carter, who got a lot of shit. Uh, what do you what do you think of this? I mean, I agree. I think that if 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 the Obama daughters were not black, like it, it would be more sensitivity. It would be more. I guess Bush twins. appropriate, exactly more appropriate uh, reverence for them, and so I mean I know that you know these girls are still young and they are exploring socially and they're doing stuff that maybe you know other other I guess presidents' daughters or children have not done, and, and we're in a social media environment. A lot of their friends actually were the ones that were capturing the content, so it yeah. wasn't like they were. It's not like the news outlets were like following them TMZ style and, and catching them. Like they actually pulled stuff off, you know, some of their Snapchat. friends' Snapchats and stuff and, so, and other social media properties. So, I mean, but nonetheless, like I feel like there still should be, you know, a bottom line um, sense of respect and, you know, reverence that you have for, you know, the president's daughters. And let, let them live. They're young. You know what I'm saying? Like let them be teenagers. Just like, you know, you would let your own daughter or son be a teenager. And so the fact that my you, daughter would never be a Lollapalooza. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The <laughs> fact that you take you take you could take an image and, and manufacture it. You can make it mean something that it's not, you know. And so I feel like there's a lot of that going on. And yeah, I think it's terrible. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting article, article by Ira Madison, who, who's a brother I like a lot. Um, check it out. I think it's on I think it's on Mashable or uh, Daily Beast. Something I can't remember. Anyway, uh, that's all we got for this week. Uh, anything else you want to mention? Hey, I made it. I made it through. Nah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> you're live. Didn't pass out. Man, but if that happened, congratulations. <laughs> uh, to a rough travel travel week. Uh, I got about before we go. I want, I want about uh, 30 more minutes on Dunkirk. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! No. The actual the, the right. actual the, the beach. <laughs> No I'm kidding. Uh, where can the people find you? Oh my gosh! <laughs> they can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Keely Shine, A K I L I S H I N E. Where can they find you? They can find me on uh, on the beach of Dunkirk, right, France, uh, at, at at Instagram or Twitter um, at J K Joe K Braswell. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff. We would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at BlackHollywoodLive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio. Instagram me at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.